Hello, it's episode six of the PRO podcast. I'm Roy. Uh, Reggie's here with me again today. Hey, Reggie. Hello, hello. Uh, today's episode is titled Unravel, Isolate, Expose. Uh, that's a quote from A Study in Scarlet by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Uh, that's a lot of names. It was hard for me to say. <laughs> But it's the first, uh, it's the first Sherlock novel. Uh, it's the first time he ever appeared, him and Watson. So uh, today we're going to talk about detectives who are essentially inspired by Sherlock. We're going to talk about a study in Scarlet, and then Reggie and I have our picks for characters that were inspired by the man. And I'm excited, or not really. Uh, we'll get to that in a, in a minute. <laughs> Come on back after the break. Welcome back. Uh, So we're going to start it off today uh, talking about A Study in Scarlet by Sir Arthur Arthur Conan Doyle. I hate that first name. I can't say it. (laughs) Well, it's Arthur with a... Yeah, it's not like I think I'd be getting tripped up because of uh, like an author, but whatever. Doyle <laughs> wrote a study in Scarlet, or it came out. Uh, it was published eighteen eighty seven. Um, it actually was published in uh, the annual of Beaton's Christmas. I, I guess Beaton's Christmas was an old, old school like uh, magazine type thing where they published um, short stories and because they didn't have any other form of entertainment back then. So their serial stories, they told them in actual publications. So the annual for this publication, Beaton's Christmas, it was uh, it featured the I think the whole novel. Um, and the book was actually published in 1888. So I, I think I'm taking so much time to explain all this stuff because I think that the, the story itself is a little bland. And that's not to take away from the how classic Sherlock is or how classic <laughs> uh, the story itself is. It's just that at, by this point, I think we've all heard this story or the Sherlock stories a lot by this point, or we've seen iterations of them. Reggie, what do you think about A Study in Scarlet? Well, like you said, it was dry compared to (laughs) all of the layers we get with Sherlock as a character now in whatever form. It's always something really much more in-depth than this A Study in Scarlet was. But I think... I suggested it because it was the first time we saw Sherlock. And right. so it was good to kind of get that backstory. I think what sort of put puts me off of it is because I, I know like the first time I ever read it, I think I, I enjoyed it because I was surprised at how readable it was. I think Doyle is a, he's a, a good writer. He's not like sometimes when you read or writers writing in previous eras, their work can seem kind of inaccessible almost because of the language is a little bit, you know, dated. But I, I, I found Sherlock to be readable. So the, I like, I think the first time I encountered the story, I enjoyed it. 
but it wasn't my favorite. I think my favorite Sherlock story is The Hounds of Baskerville. And I think because of the, you know, the horror element and all that. Do you have a favorite? What's your favorite Sherlock story from the, the, the Conan Doyle era? From that era, it was actually Hound of Baskervilles. I wrote that on my list. It was my first exposure to Sherlock. And it was, like you say, that horror element. But it was the first time we saw the, the like, playing with the supernatural. Um, like right. the villain playing with the supernatural to try to throw the, 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 the fault somewhere else other than themselves. And that's one of the things I like about um, the way... Conan Doyle writes. Yeah, I think that plot in The Hounds of Baskerville, because that it was basically somebody, uh, they, they framed somebody to make them seem like a werewolf, or they were, uh, they were, uh, it was like a hoax, so a werewolf hoax. They were like hellhounds. Like, yeah, yeah. Hellhounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So, and I feel like it was, uh, that's like a a plot that you can see in a lot of detective TV shows. I think we talked about Psych last week where <laughs> the the dude thought he was a werewolf. That's where I got werewolf from. I was thinking about that story. Um, but uh, A Study in Scarlet, like the, the central mystery, the murder. Um, so this is the, the first story where Sherlock meets Watson and they end up becoming roommates or whatever at on Beaker Street. But then the the murder that they are solving, it's not as exciting as other stories, I don't think, because it just involves uh like dead people and then like the they find the where the killer has written Raish or Rocky, I can't remember how to pronounce it. It's German, so I definitely don't know how to pronounce that. Something German. <laughs> but I was I was listening to this to like the audio version of it, and I think it was like Rocky or, or something like that. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> Sherlock has to figure out, you know, how the um, the murderer manages to kill them without there's no like wounds or anything because I think they're dying by poison, and so it turns out that the killer is uh, giving them a choice of a pill, a poison pill, or I guess a pill that won't kill them and so <laughs> they i guess uh both of them die from the poison and then sherlock figures out that it's a dude with like this really old family grudge i think and it involves mormons and all this stuff so <laughs> i think my least favorite thing about the story is the structure of it because you get like the presentation of the the uh the victims and uh sherlock using his deductive skills to figure out you know, the clues and things like that. And then Sherlock solves it. And then you have a part two that essentially tells the whole backstory. So that segmentation, I think, makes it a little bit not as great. What did you think about that? I, I'm going to be honest. I got halfway through the second part and I was like, I just really don't care about this backstory. I know what happened now. <laughs> I'm good. Like, I don't need anything else. And like, I tried to push through it because I felt like I was, I had to, for the integrity of this conversation, say that I listened to the whole <laughs> thing. But no, no. I, I Part two, it, that was definitely a, a, a flaw there. Should have been flipped. 
So I had to listen through it. <laughs> there was no incentive to, to go through to the end the way that it's written. None. None. But I, the thing I like with a lot of because I've listened to some other Conan Doyle, Sherlock, and it always comes from that um, Watson telling the story. Like he's was always like the recorder of the tales of Sherlock. And I like how we get introduced to the character. We learn who Sherlock is based off of how Watson got to know him. And uh, even throughout, it was always what Watson's experiences were being alongside him, aside of Sherlock. And so much of the time, it's it's, it's like that consistent shock, like Watson stayed shocked at the new things that Sherlock was doing, (laughs) even though it ended up the same way. Sherlock solved a crime and he was he had a big head about it, but. It was just, it always impressed Watson. And I I think that's what made the stories kind of carry a bit further for me, that perspective. Right. Yeah, Watson is a a good point of view character. Yeah, I I like that um, setup as well. Like the sidekick. He's not really a sidekick. He's the the documentarian he's the one <laughs> that's telling everybody how great sherlock is essentially cuz he i can't remember if it's in the story cuz i've seen so many sherlock iterations and remakes and stuff and i can't remember if it's in the story where he talks about um how he develops that the the um i guess the deductive process that he has where he's able to look at people and things and you know make assumptions about them and that kind of thing and so his uh, I really like like you said the way that Watson admires that skill and his skills it mirrors you know where we are as 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 the audience so I I do appreciate that and it is really it is a, a really cool thing when you think about it, like somebody that's able to hone in on details that most people just gloss over or just also the fact that he can he has so much context for things, too, because he studies. Uh, what is it? Is, is it biology? And I, I know he studies like minerals and things like that because he's interested in like what things are found like yeah what rocks and nature or whatever are might be found on a carcass or whatever so all that knowledge is is very impressive sherlock is a uh, interesting character from the beginning but i think all you need is that part one of a study in scarlet to get that (laughs) of course and quickly segue to something else before you get tired of conan doyle because i don't think it fully expressed the type of work that he has as a whole so just mm-hmm. cut it off after part one and go on to one of the other stories. Cause there are some really good ones where he starts to get into. Um, so this, a study in Scarlet, like you said, it was German written on the wall. So he, like mm-hmm. we get that idea of some other, some other large culprit. We think it might be some big German scheme, but he quickly, 
Sherlock quickly shuts that down. But we see in, like I said, the other stories, Hound of the Baskervilles and a couple of other where that kind of point to the occult as being um, the cause of the deaths and so on and so forth. And I think those are where Conan Doyle really starts to flex a different set of muscles that I, I really do appreciate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think it 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 does. It is. It's always interesting if you have a detective and uh, like discovering something bigger than just like, oh, it was a a knife. He stabbed him with a knife. Like, if, right. <laughs> if there's like some other bigger, you know, insidious thing, and yeah, your Doyle does. He's able to hint at that in a in a believable way, even though his stories aren't ultimately supernatural you believe that oh maybe that's a possibility but then he reigns it back in because sherlock's such a genius yeah and a jerk about it and a jerk about it. he was a jerk (laughs) right (laughs) in the study in scarlet it's the point where he had first got the case the letter for the case from one of the two i don't know if it was uh lestrade or the other guy but he was like telling Watson, like, ain't no point of me going. Like, they're gonna come up with their own <laughs> things, and I'm just probably gonna laugh about it later. Like, and it was like he's really this arrogant and haven't hasn't even gotten there. Mm-hmm. And again, like with this being the first introduction to the character, it's really easy for him not to be a fan favorite per se, like with that type of arrogance mm-hmm. going in. But once we know him with all of the other contexts, it's like, yeah, you can be a, you can be a jackass. Like, <laughs> you're great. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I think at first it's um, uh, Lestrade and Gregson. They think that the the German on the wall, because it's R A C H E, and they think that it's like. Rachel and they forgot to put the L. Right. <laughs> right? Like, like yeah, fucking idiots. Like, <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. Well, no, I think they, they said Gregson and, and Lestrade thought that it was like he didn't have time to finish. So he only got the, he wasn't able to do the L before he got chased off or something like that. But still, that's still pretty dumb. <laughs> Yeah, it pointed out, a, a like, and I think Watson said it in the story as well, like where he was later on explaining how he knew it, who it was and, and why. And they were just like, bro, we get it. Like, you're smarter than us. Okay, can we just get an explanation <laughs> so we can go arrest somebody? Like, why are you doing a show? I think if, like, if in the 1880s, if... I was reading um, this book if I was, I think that was after. I don't want to think about the political context of the time, but (laughs) if I was able to read (laughs) the book at the time when it came out, I think I would have enjoyed Sherlock because of that attitude. Like, it seems like he's unlikable, but really he's he's funny. There's a humor to it. So I can can see why why Sherlock persists like he does, because... I don't know. I I don't read a lot of literature from this time period. So I don't know if there's a lot of comparable characters at the time or prior, but I do see how he could, how, how he would stick out. Cause yeah, he is a a funny douchebag. 
Yep. Perfect term. term. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and so whenever I look other... at... Oh, okay. Whenever okay. I was kind of like remembering through all the different iterations of Sherlock um, that I've watched between the movies, um, the two TV shows, and then there is a Sherlock Gnomes. It's a cartoon, which I had to bring that up. The BBC's <laughs> um, Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch, it was my favorite overall because I feel like the Watson character was stronger in that one as far yeah. as kind of keeping to what Conan Doyle does with Watson. Right. I do like the updates in the BBC version of Sherlock because the, the first episode of the BBC Sherlock is uh, a study in pink. And it's essentially the exact same story, but um, the I think the some of the motivations are different, and uh, everything is sort of moved up to to the present. So it, it does adhere to to what we see in in Doyle, but then I think it makes it more interesting. Yeah, and I just I feel like Cumberbatch does does the best Sherlock. Um, between the writers who wrote that version and then his acting, I think it comes across as, like you were saying, that lovable douchebag that we get from Conan Doyle's <laughs> writing. And like, I've really, like I watched through Elementary, that's the CBS um, Sherlock story with Lucy Liu. And like, I, I mm. liked Johnny Miller, the guy who played um, Sherlock there, but I couldn't, the the overall the the whole put together was a bit off for me and I get the updating of Watson and that type of stuff, but it just didn't, it didn't hit the same for me. It just didn't. Yeah. Um, Martin Freeman, the, that plays Watson on the BBC one. I like him a lot as Watson. Like you said, I think he plays Watson. Well, like he seems like a very understated character and and it seems like, He's not he like he's just there watching, I guess. But he, of course, he isn't. He's Sherlock's full partner. Like, and that's the way that it comes across in the Doyle version as well. Not to say that the Lucy Liu version doesn't, but I just felt like he he is the essence. He's more the essence of the character from the book because he ends up starting the the website as well, where he writes about uh, Sherlock's adventures and stuff, and it really feels like it's the same characters. Uh, so I think that's why I enjoyed it because I think I, I'm pretty sure I saw it first. I saw the I saw it on PBS, and then that made me want to go back and read the source material because I thought it was really good. And I was surprised at how I recognized those characters and the characterization, the relationships. It all felt, yeah, like this is the version of it. Yeah, I do. One of my favorite things about the BBC version is the format of it, because it's like each episode is a movie and each season is only what, like three or four movies. And it seems like it that also mirrors what Doyle did, because he wrote, I think, three or four Sherlock novels. And then he wrote a lot of uh, shorter stories so that even that mirrors what what the the, the Doyle version was. Yeah, you can definitely tell there was it was a close. They were looking at Conan Doyle when they were writing it and not just what we're getting now. I think the biggest difference now is it's like we'll take from 
Conan Doyle, the character of who Sherlock Holmes is, but put it into whatever different context we want to. And that's where, like, you remember the Will Ferrell movie, um, Holmes and Watson? Did you ever see that one? I never saw it, no. How not? Like, this is, like, it was him and John C. <laughs> Riley. So it's like, I had to watch it because the, them two from Step Brothers and um, I think Talladega Nights. And it was just like... Yeah, Talladega Nights as well. Yeah, so it's that, it's that of course, it's full comedy because it's, it's them, it's those two. So, of course, it's funny. And then it's just that very loose interpretation of who the character is. And now let's just do what we want to do with this character. And I think that's where we get to a lot with a lot of the iterations we get to with Sherlock Holmes is we only wanted the character. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The other, I did try to read um, some comic book versions of uh, <clears throat> of Sherlock, but the ones that I found, they were, um, it was either people writing new Sherlock stories, which, you know, I'm, I don't really care for a lot of modern day writers trying to replicate what Sherlock was at, in the past. Like, it's just, I, I'm not saying that it's bad. I just, I just didn't care. So, and then the other uh, was just like adaptations of movie versions, TV versions. So I didn't really find anything good, except there was one exception. And I feel bad because I didn't actually get to read it, but it's called A Study in Emerald. And it's a, uh, um, uh, I guess it's a graphic novel by Neil Gaiman, and it's if it's Sherlock with all those occult um, elements, but they're real. Yeah, I think that was the other story I listened to. I could not figure out what it was when I was out driving on the road. I listened to one, and it was is where I really got like pulled back into it. And I believe it was a study in Emerald. It might've been like the novel portion of some version of it, but I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I could not figure that out all week. <laughs> what did you think about that? It was, it felt a lot more like it was, there was more, I'm not going to say life. It's not life. It's, it's just, it was more interesting because there was so many more elements as to mm -hmm. like we were saying with the study in Scarlet, it's like, it was very basic watered down to introduce the character. By this point we knew who Sherlock was, so we didn't have to spend as much time focusing on him. So they built a world yeah. focused on the character, the other characters. And um, if I'm not mistaken, that was the one where he spent quite a bit of time in an opium den. Or, I'm sure, and I can't yeah. remember. I don't know. I, I really don't know enough about the plot. I just saw it and I wanted to read it, but then I couldn't download. I didn't have any more downloads left on my library app. I, I checked too much stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I like I like that idea of like we see Sherlock as a genius. Excuse me, in so many different areas. But then we also get to the point to where we recognize him as human and vulnerable. And uh, that's done mostly when it comes to his kind of like battling his, his relationship with the drugs and right. 
um, and some of the shows, kind of the relationships with other people um, and just kind of that difficulty being able to connect. And that's what, again, another thing I like about Sherlock, like he, he presents himself as being extremely strong in the areas where he's strong, but he will tell you in the places that he's not. And I think that's just a good way to kind of look at um, those people we look up to and that, that hero place put we put into the, that hero pedestal. It's like there are human elements to every single person. I think the thing that I like the most about Sherlock's characterization is the part where he's talking about, um, I guess Watson is asking him if he knows, uh, it's like some fact, if he knows how fast uh, something, like how far away the earth is from the sun or something like that. And Sherlock's like, no, why would I know that? Like, (laughs) it's not pertinent to what I'm doing. And I I really like how, um, focused he is and like he doesn't fill his brain with knowledge that doesn't serve his his purpose and for him his purpose is being able to deduce things from crime scenes because that's what he's chosen to do but if it doesn't fall within that purview the man could give a fuck like he he really does not care (laughs) right yeah Was there, I think, I mean, I think, was there anything else that you wanted to say specifically about a study in Scarlet or um, Sherlock in general? No, I did come across a podcast called Moriarty on whatever I was looking at. And I'm audible and I'm trying my best not to go back and get stuck into that. But that's probably happening. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so it's just about from his point of view or something or it's just him as a character from what I read it was the the podcast is created saying what if Moriarty wasn't the bad guy this entire time and so it's, this is somebody trying to find a, a creative way to kind of go with the story and I really kind of want to know how they do it and if they do it to where I kind of believe it <laughs> so I feel like I'm going to at least start off with a few episodes and see how that goes. But other than that, I think I'm done with Sherlock for a while. I am too, until I get more uh, borrows from my library app. Cause I do want to read. <laughs> and, and that does seem like a good, a good yeah, story. Cause it's all Lovecraft inspired and stuff. And even though Lovecraft was a racist, his, uh, people that are inspired by his work is it's usually interesting stuff. So, all right then. So yeah, so that's our introduction to today's uh, theme. We're going to be talking about Sherlock level detectives. So come on back. We'll do our picks and we will see you soon because we got podcast eyes. We can see you right now. (laughs) In twenty nineteen, <laughs> now I'll be laughing when it starts. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, welcome back. Um, this episode, we're doing the Sherlock level detectives. So, for this one, 
I'm still in my psych mode. I haven't gotten through all the seasons and all the movies. So that's where I'm at right now. Um, Bear with me. I will do it a little (laughs) bit different, and I'm going to go with the movie Psych 2, Lassie Come Home. This was the second full-length movie that the Psych cast uh, created, and it starts off with Lassie getting shot. And we didn't... uh, I didn't want to, oh no, oh no, <laughs> a lot of people said it. Um, and they're like Sean and Gus show up, of course. And uh, Lassie's like, I feel like some things are going on around here that are weird. And so Sean and Gus are like, okay, I'll see what we'll see what we can do. But the nurses and the doctor are like, you shouldn't do it. He's after everything he's gone through, if you you don't want to feed into his delusions. So they kind of take it slow starting off until the dog that he had gave in the previous chief he had brought to Lassiter found a hand in the woods. And that's whenever they were like, we're in this fully. So going through the story, we find out a couple of different people have died. <laughs> People died and it still didn't make sense on why Lassie was kind of going through what he was going through because he was in a recovery hospital um, at this point. Mm-hmm. And they just just following clues and we finally get to the point to where they realize like the first body they found was um, someone who was supposed to had killed themselves in suicide. Um, and then that kind of like I said pulled the trail of the story to where it came back to the hospital that Lassie was in because the doctor, nope, the nurse there had been drugging patients and using the information they told them when they were like sedated to blackmail them. And that's how we got full circle. Of course, I feel like Sean and Gus are literally Sherlock and Watson. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. it's the, 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 the least amount of effort you can put into trying to like <laughs> change the character <laughs> to make a new series. But even down to like the way they structure the episodes and then the use of like that paranormal as an attempt to like throw you off the scent type situation. Red yeah and then uh yeah that's, that came to mind but i was like i don't want to be wrong um thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and so like with sean when we look at sean i feel like sean is very much sherlock right like looking at these small clues and then deducing some ridiculous amount of information based off in one little small leaf like it's a sherlock thing and then gus being in a medical He's a what, uh, pharmaceutical rep. I feel like he yeah. is often called upon for his knowledge of that medical, his medical purview. And I think it really brings home a lot of the cases, um, especially when we're dealing with so much poison. And so <laughs> do you can <laughs> like there was so much poisoning in that show, but it so gave us a reason to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see, um, like, with what you've seen of Psych in general and Sherlock, like, do you consider Sean to be, like, that Sherlock-level investigator, detective? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so, for sure. And I feel like it's um, 
it's a uh, interesting use of that skill set. So, like, uh, yeah, essentially, Sean is Sherlock. They even got the SH to start. But I feel like what the whoever created it was trying to see, like, if if Sherlock was you know, so inclined, he could pretend to be a, a psychic because he can just read so much about people. So I do think this is a, a interesting premise. And I feel like you really have to be very, like, in tune and really be paying attention to people in order to convince them that you are, you know, reading their minds or that you can, you're talking to, you know, dead people who knew them and or can see them or whatever. So yeah, you have to be a Sherlock level investigator in order to pretend to be a psychic. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like I, it Oh sorry. I was gonna say that I, I do think yeah Gus is a good Watson in in like certain aspects because there are certain aspects of Watson that I feel like Gus embodies well, but I don't think that he is the best Watson that we see in in some uh, iterations. I feel like they switch it up to make uh, Sherlock and Watson more buddy buddy, so that they're you know they're more of a I don't know, an enviable friendship. Cause I don't think that, I don't think as, as entertaining as Sherlock is, I don't think anybody would want to really be his close friend. And I think even Watson leaves him a few times, but <laughs> so I think they had to make, they had to make them more simp, like simpatico or whatever the word <laughs> in order for their relationship to make sense. Yeah. And I, I definitely agree with you there. The best update they did, though, was these harmonies, the harmonies that they have. Um, But there's so much music in this show where it's like, all right, like I didn't sign up for a musical, even though I did watch the musical. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I found like I keep going back to it because it does give me just enough of that like deductive reasoning where I can overlook the cheesy parts, parts of it. Cause I mean, eight seasons of him faking to be a psychic is like, it, it could easily get old. Um, But like you, like you were saying in the previous episode, it's kind of the relationship between the characters and kind of the characters themselves that we come back for. And I think, I feel like that's a very big thing when it came down to Sherlock Holmes as well. Like the character is what brought us back, not necessarily the store, each individual story. Yeah. For this psych movie, it came out, like when did the TV show end? Do you know? I feel like the TV show ended in 21, I want to say, 21 or 22. And I say that because I'm on season eight and I think I got one more season to go. And that movie was 2022. The third movie was 2023. So it's, it ran a lot longer. No, it than ended I in 2014. No, it ended in 2014. 
So it was it ran from t- 2006 to 2014, and then the first movie was 2017, second one was 2020, and then the third one was 2021. Wow, that makes sense on why none of this makes sense when you try to watch them in order. <laughs> I assume they were like prequel movies or something. You know how like comic book movies have set a movie in the past? But these are just the release dates. I don't know when the um, actual s- setting of the movie is. But is it so you said that uh, Lassie is like he was in the hospital, he got shot. Mm-hmm. But he was never shot in the show, I don't think. Or maybe he was, but I feel like this is a movie that occurs after the 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 TV yeah. episode. Because where we're at, actually, I'm on the last season. And what happens at the end of the series, like, the chief, the female chief is moved to San Francisco. She takes Juliet. And then, okay. like... Um, Sean tries to stay as much as he can in Santa Barbara, even because Lassiter gets that chief position, but eventually he moves to, uh, Sean moves to uh, uh, San Francisco. And so when that movie starts, it's the first movie though. When the first movie starts, Sean's in San Francisco and he ends up having to go back to Santa Barbara for the case. But this one, like, you know, it assumes like well, this is after the fact um, of all the seasons, and Lassie gets shot doing some investigation that he really wasn't supposed to do, and then like right. Juliet comes back down to investigate it, even though it's outside of her jurisdiction, and so on and so forth. So yeah, I, I guess they said it based off in that storyline, but it's just weird. I guess I should have waited to watch it. Shaking my head. Yeah, you didn't have to weave it into the episode. <laughs> do you like the movies more than the the TV episodes? Like, do you like? Do you think that it benefits from more time in the stories? I found myself. I think the balance was better between Sean and Gus in the episodes. Because whenever I watched the movie, I was like, they really just got Gus being the, the backstage black dude. Like, it got there a couple <laughs> of times where I'm like, he just come and tap dance across the screen real quick. Like, oh it my God. happened a couple of times. <laughs> I guess more time. You got, you got to, I don't know. It hit me a few Did times. Did he literally like, tap dance? Yeah, because you know he tap danced throughout the show. Like he we does. learned yes, that he, he tap does. dances. Yeah, and he tap dances in this movie, and so he's kind of <laughs> he becomes that token sing and dance black guy. And like, oh. or maybe he requested to do it. He was like, "I'm not doing this second psych movie unless I get this much tap time." <laughs> maybe, and I guess that's why the third movie is supposed to be a redeeming quality because it is. I get. I don't haven't watched it yet, but I think it's focused more on Gus. Oh, what okay. is it? Um, it's called Psych Three. This is Gus. So I think they finally <laughs> figured out that this might be a little bit problematic. <laughs> it's yeah. twenty twenty three. Let's give Gus some screen time. <laughs> I've never seen any of the Psych movies, but I do want to. I don't. I don't know. I gotta. I want to get back into watching it, 
but just because, yeah, you always need something that you can watch while you're doing something. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you need something I, to ignore. Not, <laughs> no, not, yeah, not, but not fully ignore to like, just tune into all the, my favorite bits and stuff that they do. And then be like, oh yeah, I knew it was that dude from the start. Like that kind of, you know, dipping in and out of. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the movies aren't really worth the time. If I just wasn't so compulsive about seeing everything through, <laughs> I would not have watched them. But I had to. Is uh, Does Sean have the same arrogance as Sherlock? I think, yes, definitely. And I think it was more like he had to because he had to sell he had to sell it every right. single time in order yes. to get onto the case and so he had to right. present a certain sort of amount of arrogance sherlock on the other hand did not like they knew who sherlock was but he didn't have to be as arrogant in order to get on the case they came to find him so that's mm-hmm. kind of the difference there between the two but yeah both arrogant af <laughs> That's what it takes to be the best in these streets. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think he is as arrogant. He's definitely arrogant because like you said, it takes a certain amount of arrogance to like convince, to think that you can even convince the police of like this scam essentially. But I feel like Sean is more likable than Sherlock is. And I feel like it's a, it's like a, He's an even more lovable douchebag than Sherlock. <laughs> I feel like he's yeah. more, a slightly more relatable because he doesn't study. He's not a as uh, academic as Sherlock is. He just it's just street smarts, I guess, right? Because his father teaches him how to do all that observation stuff, and his father was a police officer, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. All right. Yeah. And that's that psych to Lassie Come Home. Again, just a good look at com- comparable Sherlock's that have come up out since author Conan-, Conan Doyle. So if you're interested in what um, Conan Doyle did with Sherlock, you would probably be interested in Psych. So check it out if you'd like. Bars. Welcome back. So today I am talking about I already recorded. You look like you're surprised. <laughs> it was still counting on my screen, so I was like, you started way too early, but sorry. Keep it up. <laughs> it's all good. I can cut off this part. So so today uh my Sherlock level detective is House. Gregory House from the uh, Fox TV show House. Uh, It came on back in... uh, It was on from 2004 to 2012. Um, And now I watched it. I I rewatched the first episode on Peacock, so you can always stream it. Um, But So the first episode of House is the introduction of the character played by uh, Hugh Laurie. uh, And he is a... 
I don't want to say. Well, he's handicapped. I was going to say cripple, and I can't, couldn't get that word out of my head. <laughs> that is a bad word. still wrapped around to say it. <laughs> no, I couldn't help but say it. I just wanted. <laughs> anyway, House is handicapped, and um, he is a. I don't know why that's the first thing I would mention about him. This is a weird recap of House. Anyway, <laughs> the first episode is about. Um, uh, I guess we are introduced to House. He works at this hospital. The hospital, the, the head of the hospital is, um, the, or the administrator, she's frustrated with House because he doesn't do any work really because he's annoyed by patients and he just doesn't really like being around people. But his job, he's the hospital's uh, dietitian. dietitian. I can't, I don't know how to pronounce the word. But he is a doctor of diagnosing rare illnesses and diseases. Uh, so um, his one of his colleagues, uh, um, I can't remember his name right now, but one of his colleagues uh, comes to him with a case of a, a kindergarten teacher or yeah, a kindergarten teacher who passes out in front of her class and um they can't figure out what's wrong with her. And so she eventually ends up at House's hospital and his colleague uh, sort of convinces him to look into it and figure out what's actually wrong with her. And so I think they initially think that it might be cancer, like that she might have a brain tumor, uh, but it turns out that she doesn't have cancer. There's no brain tumor. And so House calls in his team uh, of three other younger doctors that I guess He's sort of their mentor, but House isn't very good at mentoring people. He's not just, he's just not very good with people in general. Uh, Cause I, I think it goes back to the fact that he's handicapped. The pain that he experiences in his leg, it makes him sort of a misanthrope. And so, like, he is actually a very good teacher if you can extract lessons from him being a douchebag in your direction. Uh, but yeah, generally, he's just very difficult to, to get along with. But he does uh, use his team of doctors to, you know, try different uh, treatments in order to figure out what's happening to this woman. <clears throat> it turns out that she is um, that she has a tapeworm in her brain and she has multiple tapeworms throughout her body. But <clears throat> in order for House to get to this point, he had to do all these theoretical diagnoses in order to uh, treat the symptoms that she was presenting with. Like at, so at one point, she's not unable to, to talk. At one point, her throat sees it or like swells up and she can't breathe. So he prescribes different things to treat those symptoms. And over the course of that, he figures out like, oh, well, if none of this is working, it must be tapeworms. And so, uh, but by that point, the patient doesn't trust him because she's been through so much like almost dying from these treatments and so she refuses the the i guess the test that house wants to do in order to determine that is tapeworms she's just like let me go home and i'll just die at home because this is worse than dying uh but house is able to prove that is tapeworms without anything invasive so um the the difference between house and sherlock is that uh, the major difference is, of course, House is a doctor, a medical doctor. And so his process of investigation is just naturally different because what the 
his mystery is a biological thing that's uh that's inside of a person so in order for him to solve the mystery he has to sort of do diagnostic work and sort of just observe the patient but he is very perceptive because he has to know about all these different diseases in, in order to know like oh well if you present with this symptom and this doesn't help then you know maybe it's something else that's you know that we're not seeing so you really do get a you get to see how yeah, like apply like all of a lot of really astute deduction in order to figure out what's actually wrong with this woman and in the end save her life. And all the hallmarks of Sherlock are there, right? So he's a douchebag and <laughs> he's a lovable douchebag and he's a, a very funny man. He's very funny from the beginning uh, and he's able to solve mysteries that other people can't solve. Uh, so, Reggie, let me ask you, have you watched House? What do you think about House and Sherlock comparison? Yeah, I remember watching House whenever it uh, first started airing on Fox. And it was, like you were saying, like it caught me for those same reasons, right? Like, this dude's a douchebag. And then we learn why he's, why he's kind of presenting the way that he is. And so we start to gain empathy for him. And then, yeah, it's like, you're good at what you do. So we were back at, like you said, the Sherlock um, <laughs> trope. And the other thing that I think I remember about House is there are a lot of moments where he catches like small flinches in people. Like their hand mm -hmm. might flinch a certain way or their eyes might dart a certain way. And that's, it's like being able to notice those extremely like, small minute things that can make the difference between one diagnosis and the other and that's where like I, said, I really feel like i enjoy it because it is if, if sherlock holmes was a doctor we would get yeah. house or if he had a baby with a doctor it would be house however you want to look at it um, <laughs> yeah so, so like uh, the, what you were mentioning about him noticing like just being able to see small things and then to be able to say like, oh yeah, you probably got a tumor in your kneecap or something like that. <laughs> like he is, uh, he's like battling against the the head of the, the hospital administrator, Lisa Cuddy, because she wants him to perform just regular doctor duties in the clinic. So just see regular people that come in, but he's like this world-class, you know, doctor who's specializes in diagnoses so to him is it's not just that it's beneath him it's also that it's sort of like he just hate he he the name of the first episode is everyone lies so he doesn't think that like he can even really be effective in the clinic you know like helping these people because he doesn't think that they're going to be honest with, you know, what's actually bothering them or what they did in order to get what it is that they have. And so uh, you see him whenever he does go into the clinic, so he's able to just very quickly and easily diagnose most people. He can tell whenever they're lying and, and everything. In the first episode, there's a guy that comes into the clinic and he's like orange and house is able to say like, stop eating so many carrots and you're taking too much magnesium. <laughs> and he only talks to him for like a minute, maybe a minute and a half, but yeah, he's just the most astute person ever. Yeah, definitely. And that's like, 
that's actually what made me like interested in like the medical portion of it all because when we get down to it that's what they're doing right they are doing their best to use the clues they got to get Mm -hmm. to whatever end result they can figure out and it like definitely opened my eyes to see like doctors in a different way so i appreciate it when house did come out for that and because and very similar to whenever we uh whenever we were introduced to kind of the detectives and uh, and we started to see what their job was and we mm-hmm. we kind of see those people as being like have to know it all at all times mm-hmm. and we expect them to get it right every time but we, we have to understand like there is a process and yes they can build that skill set um as much as possible but you got to have those those skills of perception like to be able to see what you need to see in order to get what you're getting to or need to get to. I think that there is, um, there's a a lot of, I I can't, I only really noticed one, but there are allusions to uh, Sherlock in house. So um, the patient, the first patient that house sees on the show, her last name is Adler. And that's the name of uh, the character from, I can't, what's, do you know the name of the story? It's like if one of his big, I don't know if she's a nemesis, but one one uh, major character of the Sherlock um, canon is Irene Adler. And uh, yeah, so yeah, they, the teacher's last name is Adler as well. So I feel like the people who created it, they sort of had Sherlock in mind. And then they sort of, like you said, if Sherlock either had a baby with a doctor or <laughs> was a doctor. Yeah. I do wonder like how having... this, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, but I was just going to say, like, having a baby with a doctor makes a doctor automatically. Like, <laughs> that's the that's science. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's just proven science. Sorry. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask if you, if, are there any other parallels to, to Sherlock and House? Like, does he have a Watson? Is it. Uh, Wilson. <laughs> yeah, that's the name yeah. of the doctor who recommends the lady is Doctor Wilson. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like Wilson was kind of there along the way, like being that the human humanitarian, because yeah. kind of very similar to what Watson was. It's like, like, all right, let's let's be let's be a bit more sensitive to the fact that we are dealing with a person who's dealing yeah, with, with an actual serious. person, and I feel yeah. like <laughs> that's what Wilson did for uh, House throughout the the uh, series, if right. I'm not mistaken. And the same thing Gus does for Sean, right? Like Sean's just a loss yeah. in the world, and Gus is like, "This is a person." Let's <laughs> 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 tell a joke now. So I feel like that's a very important part of these, like genius like characters that are created so kind of a buffer for the real world yeah wilson is a uh oncologist so he's a cancer doctor and i think he deals yeah he has more people skills than house ever had i think <laughs> i don't know who um cuddy would be is cuddy like lestrade or um 
that other character that I forgot the name of. <laughs> like, is is she like she represents like the she's the she's in charge of the hospital, so I don't know really know. Like representing the establishment or the structure that you're supposed to follow in this type of environment. And I think that's what Lestrade was to Sherlock, right? Like when it comes right. to investigation, there is a set of protocol protocols that you should follow. And Holmes is just like, forget your protocols. And same thing with House, like, forget your protocols. Ain't nobody got time for no protocols. Ain't nobody got time for all that. Um, especially <laughs> whenever I can cut this down <laughs> in time and save this person's life. And so I think that's what she was, what Cuddy was, kind of the yeah. uh, the red tape. And then uh, House also has the the three doctor team. It's uh, Robert Chase, Allison Cameron, and Eric Foreman. And Eric Foreman, of course, is played by what the fuck is his name? <laughs> Omar Epps from the okay. greatest movie ever made, Higher Learning. <laughs> That's why I'll never forget. Omar Epps, because that movie is, I, I remember seeing that movie when I was a kid, and yeah, he's a, a legend for that movie. And for his role in House. Oh yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that they're, I think, uh, so the his House's, house's team of doctors is very uh, House specific. There's not really a Sherlock equivalent there, is it? No, no. I'm, I'm sure somewhere along the way, like Doyle might have given him an apprentice. I know we did see mm-hmm. Sherlock with an apprentice in um the elementary series, right, but yeah. like you said, there's not really a um anything comparable for that where they mentored anyone, especially not in threes. Yeah, I, I enjoyed my favorite thing about House is the the theme song. I really like that. <laughs> it's like I can't sing it because it's not a song. It's more of just like a a beat or a, like a, a it's music. It's a musical intro, but I re- it's very instrumental. <laughs> that is the word for what I was thinking. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think that, that that's iconic for me. Anytime I hear that song, I think about House. And then um, Hugh Laurie is really good on the House. I really enjoy him as well. He's funny and he is hateable in a good way. Like I, I don't think I don't know if hateable is a word, but like you just he, he's he's a he's very good at being upsetting, I guess. <laughs> but you still prickly. like him. Prickly is yeah. See, you're you're my thesaurus today. I appreciate that. <laughs> really, prickly is the word that you found in the thesaurus. No, he is prickly though. He's kind of hard to get next to. But yeah, that was my favorite thing about it. And whenever we were talk, we were thinking about whenever anytime I encounter Sherlock, I do think about House. So I think that's a a good comparison. Um, yeah. Once you said you were choosing house, it like clicked like that makes so much sense. And I hate I didn't think about it first. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) 
But all right, yeah, so check out that first episode of House. I feel like if you watch any episode, you'll see, yeah, that that character. You'll see the Sherlock parallels. Uh, so, yeah, check that out. Streaming on Peacock and probably, I'm sure it's on, like, rerun some way. So... All right. So that was our uh, detectives episode. Uh, And I I came up with that extremely clever title. Uh, (laughs) Unravel, Isolate, Expose. Because that's what detectives do, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so you, you guys should like this episode of our podcast and you should uh, share it with somebody and you should rate us because we're five stars and you should come back soon because we're going to talk about other cool stuff and I'm pretty sure Reggie's going to join me next time thank you for joining me today Reggie thank you for having me on the Sherlock episode I loved it I just wanted to talk about psych some more that's really all it was (laughs) <laughs> That's all I got for you right now. Get catch me in two weeks. I'll be on to something else. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. <laughs> Wonder what you're gonna watch after Psych. Do you have any idea? I don't. Nope. I don't know yet. And I feel like I'm gonna be depressed for a day because I'm gonna be looking for that storyline and I'm gonna have to find something new. But I'm sure something will pop up just like this did. I'm going to get on that Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania that's on Disney Plus today. I cannot wait to see that. Didn't Wasn't yeah, so excited I that I went to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> cannot wait. Uh, <laughs> <so> <laughs> I wasn't so excited that I went to the movies, but yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it on Disney Plus. So, All right, guys. Come back soon. Like and subscribe and all that good stuff. Have a good evening.